We want to explore all sports and competitions on a deeper level in order to understand the less mainstream topics and events. We here at Deep Dive Sports not only want you to walk away having learned something, but for us to have learned something new as well. Now don't get us wrong, we will do our best to cover the big events, but our main goal is to give you a different perspective on some of the overlooked sports and competitions across the globe. We hope you're ready to learn, laugh, and have fun because we are excited to bring you this podcast. Please sit back, relax, and dive deep into these topics with us. Hello, everyone. We have an amazing show for you today. We're taking a deep dive into rugby. We're going to explain the rules of rugby, break down the structure of rugby around the world, and give you a rundown of the world's top teams and players. Then, David has an amazing story of a time he got to experience a rugby match in Ireland. But first, it's everybody's favorite time, history time. Everyone has come to the consensus that rugby as we know it started in the 1840s in rugby Warwickshire, England. But history does tell us that forms of throwing, kicking, catching, and running with similar shaped balls date back to medieval times. Although rugby football was organized at rugby school, many rugby playing countries had pre-existing football games not dissimilar to rugby. Forms of traditional football similar to rugby have been played throughout Europe and beyond. Many of the these involved handling of the ball in scrummaging formations. For example, New Zealand had Kai O'Rahi, Australia had Marne Grook, Japan had Kamari, Georgia had Leo Bertie, the Scottish Borders Jedhart Ba Cornwall had Cornish Hurling, Central Italy had Silicio Ferentino, and South Wales had Knappen, and East Anglia had Campbell, Ireland had Cade, which is an ancestor of Gaelic football. Now, from 1845 to 1871, there was no overseeing body for teams across England. In 1871, that changed when the Rugby Football Union, or RFU, was formed. A rule the RFU created in 1871 would later prove to cause a big divide. In the RFU, players had to remain as amateur, meaning players could not receive payment for playing games and could not play in places that had entrance fees. It was also not permitted for players to miss work to play, meaning players could not be paid by their jobs in order to go play a match. This does sound kind of familiar you follow college football, not in missing work or paying to miss work to play, but in the recent discussions where we've had around payment of players for services and trying to keep them amateurs. But anyway, wouldn't you know it, some clubs, just kind of like how our college football players have kind of monetized their popularity over the years and gotten in trouble for it, players were doing the same back then. It is said that the Northern working class teams were having great success, so this caused them to want to revamp the rule. Unfortunately, the original founders did not want to do that, and this disagreement in the rule caused a split of the RFU into the two major leagues we know today. The Rugby Football Union, or Rugby Union, and then the second league is the Northern Rugby Football Union, or now today the Rugby League. The Rugby Union would actually not become professionalized until 1995, which was almost 100 years after the Rugby League became professionalized. Anyone who left the union would be banned from playing in rugby union matches, even if they were still considered amateurs, until the union professionalized in 1995. This divide has created two different codes for rugby. They are so different that they even desire different types of athletes. The rugby league chooses to play with 13 players, while the rugby union chooses to play with 15. The rugby league pitch is smaller due to having less players, and the rugby league allows 10 substitutions 
while as the rugby union allows eight. This divide even caused a difference in the way they score the match. I'm sure we will get into that more later. But due to the separation and the rugby football union jumping on the professional train late, the union has found that the league has a tighter foothold in major countries who participate in rugby today. Now, I would like to just highlight some of the events and dates that happened throughout history of rugby before we move on to the next section. In 1900, rugby union was featured in the Olympics, but this was short-lived as it would end after the 1924 Olympics. In 1904, the first international rugby league match took place. This had England losing to other nationalities 3-9. to nine. In 1929, the first rugby league Challenge Cup final is played at Wembley. Wigan defeated Dewsbury 13-2 in front of over 40,000 people. In 1943, a Northern Command Army Rugby League side defeated a Northern Command Rugby Union side 18-11. Then the following year, a Combined Service Rugby League side beat the Combined Service Rugby Union side 15-10. These were the only league versus union matches played until 1996. In 1967, professional rugby Rugby League adopts Sunday as its main match day, which is kind of similar to our own American football, how we kind of adopted Sunday as our play day, even though now they play on Mondays, Thursdays, and pretty much whichever day they desire. Then in 1996, the inaugural season of Super Rugby, a professional rugby union competition fielding teams from Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa started. Then in 2016, Rugby sevens at the Olympic Games started, which is a different type of rugby, which only plays with seven people on the field. In 2017, Toronto Wolfpack became the first fully professional rugby team in Canada, joining the British French Professional Rugby League system in the third tier League One. In 2018, it was the inaugural season of Major League Rugby, a professional rugby union competition fielding teams in the United States and in Canada. Then in 2019, it was the inaugural season of the Global Rapid Rugby league a professional rugby union competition fielding teams from the asian pacific region and then finally in 2020 it was the inaugural season of the superliga americana de rugby a professional rugby union competition in latin america so as you can see in the past five years rugby has gained a foothold in more and more countries and become more popular across the world thank you for bearing with us through our favorite section the history section now we are going to move on to dom who is going to break down the rules of rugby. Thanks, Nick. So the objective in rugby, like any other sport, is to score more points than your opponent. And in rugby, this can be done in a variety of different ways. So first, the team with the ball moves the ball up the field in what's called phases of play. Now, the ball can never be passed forward, but players can run the ball forwards, kick the ball forwards, and chase it down, or they could pass the ball side to side or behind them and run up the field. And as they're running up the field, these teams are attempting what's called a try. And this is the most valuable play in rugby, and it's similar to a touchdown in American football. This means that the attacking team touch the ball down in the opponent's in goal area or on their goal line. And when they do this, it's worth five points in the rugby union and four points in the rugby league. And after scoring a try, teams earn the right to attempt what's called a conversion kick. Now, a conversion kick is taken from the spot in the line where the ball was originally grounded. So scoring as close to the post as possible is best. This is worth an additional two points in both the rugby union and the rugby league if they're able to convert the conversion kick. The next way to score points is what's called a penalty kick. Penalties for various infractions can be used to take a kick at goal, uh, which is worth three points in the rugby union and two points in the rugby league if these 
penalty kicks are converted. Teams can also attempt what's called a dropped goal. This occurs when the player drops the ball on the ground and then kicks it as it bounces. And if he gets it through the uprights, it's worth three points in the rugby union and one point in the rugby league if it goes through the uprights. Now tackling in rugby, in a nutshell, when a tackle is made, defenders are not allowed to make contact with the head or neck of the person they're tackling. And this is for safety reasons because there's no pads in rugby. So any head-to-head or shoulder-to-head collision could be very dangerous. But once a tackle is made, the tackled player then releases the ball so that the players who weren't tackled can continue on with play. Another aspect of the game is called an advantage. And this simply means that when one team commits a foul, the other team can try to capitalize on it instead of the referee immediately stopping the play. And if the players can't capitalize on this error, then the referee will blow the whistle and play will restart from the spot of the original mistake. Now, there are offside penalties in rugby, and these rules are similar to soccer. Essentially, players can't be involved if they are in front of a teammate who last played the ball or are behind the ball when the opposition has it. And these rules are the exact same for both men's and women's rugby, and they play the exact same game. Okay, cool, Dom. Yeah, thank you so much. Now David is going to give us a rundown on the leagues around the world and kind of how they work. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I just really only focused mainly on the United Kingdom side of things, mainly because that is where the sport was kind of created and where almost every other league that was formed around the world was kind of based off of the United Kingdom. Obviously, there's different variants of the league. It's just that that's where they get the, their main focus. So in terms of the field length, the field must be no bigger than 70 meters by 100 meters with the end zones, also known as the ingles, should be no larger than 22 meters so the field itself from goal line to goal line is about 76 yards to 109 yards give or take now the end zones or the ingles are about 22 yards big in the rugby union i just found out that it's just another way of referring to the sport as a whole not a specific group because that's the original group itself and then they just broke off into the rugby leagues and rugby seven league which was already discussed before now in terms of the rugby league i kind of focused on the league that is known as the betfried super league this league includes 12 teams that can be either promoted or demoted to a lower league kind of like football or soccer as the united states knows it as and then the each team of this 12 team competition will play each other twice once at home and once away. They will play an additional six games plus what is known as the Dacia Magic Weekend, which I kind of took as the weekend that determines who gets into the playoffs, their version of the playoffs at least. Now, after the Dacia Magic Weekend, the remaining top five teams will then go into the playoffs to determine who plays in the grand final. Now, Rugby Sevens, as mentioned before, this is a version that is played with seven players top on either side. Now, I'm basing this off of the Melbourne Rose Sevens in Scotland. This version is very popular then. It was created over 131 years ago and was only created 10 years after the sport of rugby itself. Seven players includes three forwards, two halfbacks, and two backs, in which they play a 15-minute game, seven minutes per half. Then over the course of a season, the committee in which heads the Rugby Sevens, in, at least in Scotland, determines who gets kind of put into the tournament each year, and the sport kind of grew from there. I found out that 
that the team with the most titles is in uh, Howick, Scotland. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to think that there are just many different ways that rugby is perceived and can be played around the world um, just by going through the, the history and the split and then the different rules between each and then the different uh, types of games within rugby itself, whether they have 13, 15, seven people on the field. Like I said before, it's it's really interesting in, in that kind of a way. Now to move on to our next section, the guys are going to give you a rundown on some of the world's best teams and players. Dom, let's start with you. So I'm going to be focusing on national teams instead of club level teams solely because national teams are more recognizable on an international level. So as of now, the top three men's teams are South Africa, England, and New Zealand. And none of this really comes as a surprise. South Africa and New Zealand both have a rich history in rugby. It's the national sport in both of these countries. And their national teams have really dominated international rugby for years. And they've both won three Rugby World Cups. And I'm not surprised to see England on this list either. The sport was created there. And although rugby is not the most popular sport in England, um, England has a high enough population and it's a rich enough country where they can invest enough resources and money into developing the amount of talent. And they have a large pool of players to recruit a team from. And in terms of uh, the top women's national teams, it's pretty similar to the men's teams. The top women's teams are England, New Zealand, and Canada. I was a little surprised to see Canada on this list because when you think of nations that have historically been good at rugby, Canada is not a nation that comes to mind. However, these teams are really able to be competitive for the same reasons that the Benz teams are. England and Canada, they're both wealthy nations, large populations. They're able to develop a lot of talent because they can invest resources into developing these players. And then New Zealand, again, similar to the men's team, it's the national sport. You know, If you're a top athlete in New Zealand, Rugby is the sport you're playing, whether you're a man or a woman. So I know I only focus on national teams, but there are various leagues around the world and there are a lot of good club level teams. So if you guys are interested in looking more into these teams, I definitely recommend doing so. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I, I, I do like that list. I do agree with it. Anyway, let's move on to David and he's going to give us a rundown on who the top players in the world are. For the men, from what I found, some of the best players include Justin Tapir, Brody Ritalik, and Andrew. Tony DuPont and Semi Radradra. Now, in terms of the women, you got Natasha Hunt, Rochelle Clark, Catherine Merchant, Portia Woodman, and Cheryl Soon. Awesome, David. Thank you for getting through that list. I know some of those names are a little bit of a struggle there, but nobody's paying us to pronounce names right. And I also know that was a little hard for David just to name five. He probably could have named off of a hundred because he does like this sport and follow it a little bit more than we do. Now into our next section, I'm just going to kind of give a rundown of the few future events for this year, just in case you guys wanted to catch a match, learn more about rugby, see what it's all about. As of right now, there are matches being played. Obviously, there may be postponements due to COVID, just kind of like every other sport around the world. But for now, every month, they have three matches for women's internationals and six matches for men's internationals. So you know there's guaranteed matches on that front. And then other matches throughout the year would include the Rugby World Qualifying, which is from now through June. And then from February 1st through the 6th, you can catch the 2020 Rugby European Championship. Then from February 6th through March 20th, the 2021 Six Nations will have their 15 matches. From March 3rd through the 13th, you will be able to watch the Asia Rugby Women's Championship. And then 
following that, May 22nd through June 26th, you can watch the Asia Rugby Men's Championship. Then from June 26th to August 7th, you can watch the British and Irish Lions Tour. Then to kind of close out the year on big events, the Rugby World Cup is September 18th through October 16th. So those are just a few big matches you guys can watch and kind of learn more about the sport. Or like I said, you can watch some of those matches that are happening every week. That's just kind of on a national stage. Obviously, if you want to go look up a club, follow them, they're probably having their own matches throughout the month and stuff like that and throughout the year as well. Now, onto the next part of the show, which is what we like to call story time with David. This week, David will be talking to us about his experience of watching a rugby match in person. This is going to be amazing, people. Pay attention. David, it's all yours. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, so this was this story is going to be really interesting, mainly because I did it while I was in college. So back in 2017, May of 2017, I was a part of the study abroad trip that was known as the Global Sport Industry Trip. And what that basically entitled was we went to three different countries and we learned about sport in those countries. Now, we went to Ireland, Germany, and the Netherlands. Now, I'll get to the Netherlands when we do another sport a little bit later on, but in Ireland, while we were there, we got to actually go to an actual rugby match. Now, I don't remember the exact teams and all the exact details because again that was three years ago but I still remember the a good chunk of it to this day I remember when we went to the actual match pregame was basically like here in the U.S. we have just a bunch of like tailgates and people bring their own like activities like cornhole and stuff like that whereas the stadium and the organization puts on their own events for their fans and stuff like that there are vendors on the outside of the stadium selling drinks selling food and that's pretty much where most of the food and drink comes from because from what i remember there weren't very many vendors actually in the stadium because it was a very small stadium i think there were only like 10 to 15,000 people that could fit in that stadium so it was a very small stadium but it was it was jam-packed when we went it was a playoff sponsored by Guinness essentially and so they went this was the semi-final match before they went into the actual championship so this decided the second team of the championship game and throughout the game I didn't really understand what was going on but just the atmosphere especially early on was just a lot of fun people were enjoying themselves they they were laughing they were cheering they were doing everything that you would expect out of fans and that to me was more impactful than anything than me trying to actually learn the game so overall i really had a lot of fun just not on the trip itself but just at the game the home team that we were watching that day unfortunately lost but no matter what i had a great time and i know that college students that were on the trip had a lot of fun as well so that is my story i hope you guys enjoyed it thank you awesome thank you and that concludes story time with david for the week hopefully this will be a regular segment going forward i know i enjoyed it i think dom enjoyed it hopefully you guys enjoyed it just a little bit of a different perspective and kind of insight on what it's like to be at an actual match some of us know what it's like to be at a professional match or professional game here in america for our sports but like david was saying a lot smaller crowd a lot more packed of a little different of a culture than what we are so 
it's definitely cool to hear his his insight on it and that he had so much fun even though he really didn't understand what was going on to begin with but now after learning more about this sport and probably over the years learning more about the sport he is more insightful on probably what was going on so hopefully if he gets another chance to go back maybe he can actually cheer and understand what's going on that brings us to our final section we are going into final thoughts we're going to start with dom and then dave will give his final thoughts then i'll finish her off thanks nick so rugby is a sport that i wanted to learn more about for a while now i've watched bits and pieces of games over the years and i've always found it interesting but i never really knew what was going on so i'm glad that i finally got the opportunity to learn more about the sport and now when i'm watching games i'm definitely going to know what's going on and i'm going to be trying to watch as many games as possible yeah that's definitely a good in input on the game there dom now this is something that like dom i've always wanted to talk about since i went to ireland really because i as i mentioned before in my story i didn't really understand what was going on in the sport when i attended the game and that was something that although i had fun and didn't know what was going on wanted to learn i just didn't know how nor really had really anyone to talk to about and thanks to the show i was able to finally get that opportunity and so to finally get the chance to understand what happened is something really cool to me so thanks for doing this show or this episode i should say We've said it a hundred times, you know, I've definitely said it a hundred times, but the whole point of this honestly is not just for, you know, our listeners to learn something new and grow, but just for us to grow and learn something new as well. You know, our, our goal with this podcast was to create an avenue for ourselves and for everyone else who listens to, you know, learn and gain a new appreciation for different sports and competitions across the world that may not get the media coverage, especially in the United States, if it's a different sport from across the pond. So, and like David and Don said, this has always been a sport, you know, that I've watched occasionally on TV, um, you know, gone to a few, you know, collegiate games and kind of watch those kinds of things but never really took a deep dive into it until now and I'm glad I did I'm glad I learned more about it you know I I never knew that they were two separate leagues again I think we all learned a lot I think we accomplished our goal today here boys so again thank you so much thank you to our listeners for all the support it's been amazing over this first month and we really hope to continue to put out good quality content for you all and you know continue to deep dive into a lot of these sports and competitions in order for you all to learn and and grow as well too so again thank you and as always we are deep dive sports until next time hey everyone thank you for listening if you would like to hear more feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every friday and don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on twitter instagram and facebook for any update and please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next as always we are deep dive sports until next time